Turn to Psalm 15 and also to Proverbs 11.3. Psalm 15 and Proverbs 11.3. We're starting our series, One Prayer. And we're excited about this. This is not just a weekend series, even though it will be that. We have seven weeks of, of different speakers talking about if you had one prayer to pray, what would that prayer be? What's your one prayer? And so we're going to kind of uncover that and discover that a little bit together as a congregation. I'm going to encourage you not just to come on weekends and, and just find out about that, but to do that in your own life. Go online. We have some prayer blogs. on. In fact, you can watch your one prayer on that blog. You can go online. It's oneprayer.gatewaypeople.com. All right, so make sure you do that. And we have weekly devotional videos, lots of stuff there that you hear and be hearing about that. So we have Chris Hodges, Rick Bazette, Mark Rutland, Brady Boyd, Pastor Robert. We're excited about that. And, and Pastor Robert was talking to me about this, and he said, I want you to, I want you to be the lead-off hitter of this. I want, you to, I want you to start off with your one prayer. And so I started talking about that and thinking about that. And I thought, well, what, what will that be? You know, okay, I could go for uh, world peace. You know, that'd be a good one. But, you know, then I thought, well, I'm, I'm not Miss America or a beauty contest winner or anything like that. So that, that makes sense. And then I thought, well, I could go with Jesus is one prayer, which was that someone says, what, why'd you come? And he says, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. And I am an evangelist, so I started thinking about that. But when I finally boiled it down, for me, for my one prayer, here's what I want to talk about today. My one prayer is that, and ever since I gave my heart to Christ, God, make me a person of integrity. So I'm going to talk about integrity today because I think it's a lost virtue in our society. You know, you hear about this and it, it, it's amazing to me how we've lost this as a virtue in our society. As an example of that is I was in a store and my wife and I uh, saw this sale going on with dress shirts and uh, it was a big sale. Amen to big sales, 75% off, amen to 75% off. So, so we went, I loaded up, I bought much more than what I wanted and needed, thinking, okay, well, they have a return policy here, so I'll just go through these and return them back and, and only keep the ones that I think won't. So we went home, took all the shirts out, laid them out, and I started laying aside a number of shirts that I thought, you know what, I don't really need these. These, these are the ones I want. And I ended up having about 10 extra shirts that I was gonna take back. So I went through the receipt, uh, list that they gave me, you know, the long receipt. And I started noticing they didn't charge me for all the shirts that I had. In fact, they missed out about 10 different shirts. I got 10 shirts for nothing. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> oh, we said, man, I, we, we, I can't keep this stuff. We got to take it back. So Linda and I took back these shirts to the department store a few days later. And I, I brought them in. I says, here's 10 shirts that, uh, that I'm bringing back because you never charged me for these. And the little clerk says, well, we need to get you uh, uh, your money back for this then because I'm so, so she tried to give me a refund. And I says, no, 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 no. I'm not bringing these back to get a refund. I'm bringing these back because you, you never, see, here's the ticket. You never, you never charged me for these shirts. I got these shirts for nothing. And so I don't need any money, but I need to return them to the desk. And she still was confused. So she called the manager, the store manager. He tried to give me a refund. And I finally says, no, you, you don't get it. You've never charged me for these shirts. They're not mine. I got home with them. You never charged me. I want to bring those back because they're not mine. They were absolutely shocked that I would bring these shirts back. They were shocked that I would do this. Now, isn't it tragic that we live in a day and time where people are more shocked by our integrity 
than by the lack of it. Isn't that amazing? The people are more shocked by what we do that's right than what we do that's wrong. I mean, proof is every time you open up a newspaper or, or watch the TV, I mean, we're hearing about somebody doing something and we're not shocked by it. We're not shocked by an athlete that, you know, has multiple, multiple affairs, gets in his Escalade at two in the morning, runs into a tree and his wife's chasing him with a golf club. We're not, we're not shocked by that. We're not shocked by politicians who, you know, promises, 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 and then they totally go back on their word or they live a total alternate lifestyle. We're not shocked by that, are we? I mean, it's sad that we live in a society that's not shocked. We're not even shocked by a close friend that we know that we've spent a lot of time with, neighbor or a real friend, and all of a sudden this whole other life that they have hidden from becomes open. And we find out they've, they've had an immoral lifestyle or they're on drugs. Or, we're not shocked by that. I was reading this survey the other day. And this is a survey of Americans. Now listen to this. 74% say that they will steal without compunction. 74%. 64% say that they will lie if it gives them an advantage. 53% say that given a chance, they will commit adultery. 53%. 41% say that they intend to use recreational drugs. 30% say that they will cheat on their taxes. And only 17% of those surveyed define sin as a violation of God's will. That's surveyed from Americans. But you know, let's, let's boil it down a little bit more. We're not even shocked when a Christian leader falls to immorality. That is so sad. We're not shocked by an evangelist or some small group leader or... A deacon or, I mean, we're just not shocked by that anymore. And see, what's sad to me is that Americans, I mean, really, the effect that it has, it's not so much on everybody else who doesn't live with integrity, but I'm telling you something, when we as believers don't live with integrity, it affects the whole society we live in. See, I don't think our society is in the shape it's in because everybody that doesn't know Jesus isn't doing what's right. Hello? Is this okay? I think our society is in the shape it's in because we as believers aren't doing what's right. We're not living with integrity. And I think it's a monster challenge to us as believers because most of us in here believe things. You believe in doing what's right. At least we say we do. We believe in treating people fairly. We believe in being honest. We believe in being moral and faithful. How many believe those things? How many believe those things? All right. Here is a working definition for integrity then for us. Let me go through it. All right. Working definition. Write this down if you're taking notes. Integrity is when your behavior matches your beliefs. Let me say it again. Integrity is when your behavior matches your beliefs. It's an integrated lifestyle. That's what integrity means, integrated. It means when your behavior matches what it's integrated, what you believe and what you do. It's, it's when what we say and what we do are the same thing. It's, it's when we have as much in the warehouse as we do in the showroom. You know, a lot of us are focused on the showroom. We're not focused on the warehouse. It's, uh, uh, it's like this. It's uh, everything we do is who we are. Everything else is just religious talk. It's what you do when no one's around. Those are integrity issues. Those are things that make integrity. It's when your behavior 
matches your beliefs. And, that's, that's, and it's not the same as reputation. And reputation is what people think of me or think of you. And, you know, our reputations are the things that lo- most of us focus on. No, your integrity is what you really are. Boil it all down. That's who you are, is your integrity. Proverbs 11 says this, 11 verse 3. The integrity of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful, look at this, are destroyed by their duplicity. They're double-minded. Their duplicity destroys them. Now, when I, when I first met Jesus, I'm telling you, man, uh, my life was a mess. I, I was not modeled in integrity by any my father, my, my dad, I love my daddy. He, he's not here with us now. I mean, he, he's dead, but he, uh, uh, he lived a life of immorality. He had multiple affairs. My parents got divorced when I was a real young child. He was an alcoholic. So when I grew up, I just thought, you know, the way of the world was just make your own way and whatever you have to do to advance yourself, do it. Doesn't matter if you have to lie or cheat or make yourself happy, whatever it takes. So when I got saved, I mean, something radical took place in my heart and my life. And I remember the first thing I started praying, and that's why this is my one prayer. God, please make me a person of integrity. Make me the man that you want me to be, God. I don't want to be a fake. I don't want to be a hypocrite. I want to be who you've called me to be, to be a man of integrity. And, and uh, all my life, I've, I've, I've dreamt and, and worked towards, as well as I can, that at the end of my life, I want to be able to stand up like Samuel did. I don't know if you know the story of Samuel. He stood up at the end of his life and he stood before the congregation. He says, take your best shot. Take your best shot. Have I led you with integrity? Have I been faithful? Have I been a man of God? Have I been honest with you? Have I treated you fairly? Take your best shot. If I haven't, tell me right now and I'll repent. That's what he said. And I think that needs to be all of our prayers. I think every person in this house, not just men, all of us, ladies included, need to have a goal at the end of our life that we're able to stand up and say, I am a person of integrity because that's what God called us to. And the only way we will ever be effective in leading our lives and being the parents and, and the husband or the wife or the coworker or the child of God or the the influencer that we need to be in our society is to be people of integrity. Look what the Bible says in Psalm 15. Let's read Psalm 15 because there's a description of integrity here. Psalm 15. Lord, who may dwell in your sanctuary and who may live in your holy hill? In other words, God, who's going to be able to commune and fellowship with you? And here's his answer. Look this. He whose walk is blameless and who does what is righteous. Integrity who speaks the truth from his heart, integrity, and has no slander on his tongue, integrity, who does his neighbor no wrong, integrity, and casts no slur on his fellow men, integrity, who despises a vile man but honors those who fear the Lord, integrity, who keeps his oath even when it hurts, integrity, who lends his money without usury and does not accept a bribe against the innocent, integrity. He who does these things will, say it out loud, all the campuses, say it out loud, never be shaken. He who does these things will never be shaken. If you have integrity, you're never going to be shaken. You know why? Because there's a solid foundation. There's a rock that you're standing on, and that's the integrity that God's put in your heart. Integrity is everything. 
Now, what's the opposite of integrity? It's a hypocrisy. Hypocrites. We know, we, we know hypocrites and we've heard that word. It's a Greek word, really, of hypocrite means play actor. You remember in the old times when, uh, uh, when you saw uh, people acting on stage and, and the way they'd change characters was they had this little stick with a mask on it and they'd stick it in front of their face and then they'd act it out. You remember that? And then they'd have another stick with another mask on and they'd change character. And so then they'd act that out. You remember that? That's exactly what a hypocrite is. It's someone who's play acting, acting out someone that they're not. And that's what a hypocrite is. And Jesus was harder on hypocrites than he was on prostitutes, or on liars and thieves. In fact, look what the scripture says in Matthew 23. He's talking to the scribes and Pharisees and he's calling them hypocrites. And here's how he starts off the verse. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, woe to you. Now, I, we don't use that terminology a whole lot. In fact, I have five kids and if I were to get on my kids, I wouldn't say, woe to you, children. No, I, you know, I, I, but what I would say is, I'm serious about this. This is something I want you to really listen to this is something I want to address in your life. Jesus is saying that to them. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you cleanse the outside of the cup and the dish. You make sure the outside looks really good, but inside they are full of extortion and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisees first cleanse the inside of the cup and dish that the outside of them may be clean also. Verse 27, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead man's bones and all uncleanliness. Even so, you outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside you're full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Then verse 20, chapter 23, verse one says this. Then Jesus spoke to the multitudes and to his disciples saying, these scribes and the Pharisees, they sit in Moses' seat. Therefore, whatever they tell you to observe, that observe and do, but don't do according to their works. In other words, they're teaching you something that's good. You need to listen to the teaching, but what they do, you don't need to follow them because they're not doing it. That's what he's saying to them. They don't do it. Look what it says in message. Now Jesus turned to address the disciples along with the crowd that had gathered with them. The religious scholars and Pharisees are competent teachers in God's law. You won't go wrong in following their teachings on Moses. But be careful about following them. They talk a good line, but they don't live it. They don't take it into their hearts and live it out in their behavior. It's all spit and polished veneer. Spit and polished veneer. See, their behavior wasn't matching their beliefs. Now, that's so easy. You know, this is as challenging to me as it is any of us. And, and, and let's be honest with this. We all struggle with this. It may be itty bitty little things we don't think matter, but they do matter because ultimately they discredit us in our testimony. Ultimately, they, they make us ineffective in trying to tell people about who we serve and who we love and what God's done in our lives. I was a, I've been a pastor on, in ministry for 41 years. Can you believe that? It's been a long time. And I, when I was 30 years old, I was a pastor at a church in Oklahoma and uh, on staff there. And I was out playing golf. Now, I hadn't played golf a long time. Uh, I wasn't necessarily a beginner, but I wasn't very good. And I was real competitive. And so I, I went out with some guys from the church, good friends of mine, and we were going out playing golf. And back then, I couldn't afford a whole lot. So, I, you know, I just used any, any kind of golf ball 
that I could get. Someone says, what kind of golf balls do you like? And I says, well, I like them round with dimples and white. That's the only kind of, that's all I care about, all right? So, so somebody bought me, one of these guys bought me a brand new sleeve of balls and gave it to me right before we played that round. And uh, uh, these were Titleist balls, which is a really good ball. And they had a logo on them. So you can find out which, which ball you're really hitting. And the key to golf, by the way, is, you know, if you lose a ball, it costs you a stroke. And it costs you a stroke, the higher the, the, the points that you make, the worse the golf game. So you don't want to cost yourself a stroke. You got it. And I was competitive. I wanted to make a really good showing in front of my friends. So confession time. I hit it over to the right, over to the weeds. I'm over there by myself looking for the ball. Can't find it, can't find it. Finally, I, there's a white ball. It's got dimples on it. it, it it's a white, you know, and it's, it's a Titleist. And so I go over there and look at it, and it's a Titleist, but it's not my ball because it's got a, it doesn't have a logo on it. So I look around, and there's nobody, that, nobody's going to know. So I go ahead and play that ball to save my strokes. So I hit it up on the green. I'm getting ready to putt. And this friend who gave me the sleeve of balls says, hey, Dave, is that the ball that you hit over in the woods? I says, yeah, I found it. And he says, that's not the ball that you hit in the woods, Dave. <laughs> the ball I gave you has a logo on it. No, no, this is the Titleist. That's not the ball, Dave. You found another ball and you hit another ball instead of the ball that you were supposed to hit. Busted. Busted. And you know what? I think a lot of us get busted a lot if we were to be honest with ourselves. I'm telling you, man, this is a challenge. And little things discredit us. We have to be people of integrity. And I'm telling you, in that instant, I was a hypocrite. I confess it. And I'm going to tell you this. Jesus hates it. He hates it. He wants us to be people of our word. Now, let me ask you a question. What is your integrity worth? See, that day, my integrity was worth some shots. It was worth my score. What is your integrity worth? You lied on a resume to get a job. That's what your integrity is worth. You falsified an expense report. Not much, just a little bit, but that was your integrity was worth that. You cheated on an exam. Here's one. Uh, your wife and you buy an expensive outfit without your husband knowing it and you put it away for a few months and then you put it on and he says, oh, honey, that's beautiful. Is that a new outfit? No, I've had that for months. And some of you are saying, great idea. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's not, I'm not trying to help you with ways to not be integrity. <laughs> or you exaggerate a story. It's just a little exaggeration to make yourself look better. Or you overbill. Or you look at things you shouldn't. I'm telling you, we all struggle with this, folks, if we were to be honest about it. So what does your life say and what's your integrity worth? I see, uh, so Job, Job, uh, everybody knows who Job is, Job in the Bible, and Job is, uh, had a really bad day one day. <laughs> you think you've had a bad day? He had a bad day. I mean, he lost everything in one day. All of his family, his wife, all of his kids, they were all killed. 
Uh, everything he owned, all his possessions, his house, his livestock, all his servants, everything was destroyed in one day. And he had some really good friends, quote, that came to him after all this stuff had happened, all these disasters, and they says, man, you just need to curse God and just die. That was their recommendation to him. But see, Job's integrity was worth everything to him. Look what he says in chapter 27. He says this to his friends, I will never admit you are in the right. Till I die, I will not deny my integrity. I will maintain my righteousness and never let go of it. My conscience will not reproach me as long as I live. Job said, my integrity is worth everything. Everything. So what's our integrity worth? There's five benefits I want to go through of integrity, all right? So write these down if you get a chance. All right, please write these down. There's five benefits, and I'm, there's much more than this, but these are five that I want to bring up. Five benefits of walking in integrity. Number one, you can walk closely with God. You can walk closely with God. I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but when I, when I have sin in my life, when I have disobedience in my life, when I'm not walking the way I should in integrity, my fellowship with God is kind of broken. Have you noticed that? It's kind of like my family. We have five kids. A long time ago, Linda and I, my wife and I, started talking about who are we as a family. I mean, the Smith family, what does that mean? And, and what values can I instill and impart into my children? And, and so we went away and started developing our values as a family. We even wrote a, a, a vision statement for our family, and we brought all our kids around, and I've tried to pour that into my kids. Here's how we treat people. Here's how we look at life. Here's how we love God. Here, here are things that mean this, we're a part of this family. When someone says, you belong to that family, what does that mean? It'd be like one of my kids saying, you know what? I don't believe that, and I don't want that, and I'm not going to follow that. Well, our fellowship would be broken. That would be hard. In the very same way, you can walk closely with God if your integrity is intact. You can have fellowship with him. Number two, second benefit, you have a built-in guide. You have a guide now that tells you where you can walk and where you can't walk. It's not gray anymore. It's black and white. You have a guide. Look what the Bible says in uh, Proverbs 11 again. The integrity of my heart will guide me. That's what it says. uh, now I know how to respond to things. Why? Because my integrity means everything to me and it's guiding me on how I'm responding and how I'm acting. It's a guide. Look what the Bible says in Psalm 78. So he shepherded them according to the integrity of his heart and guided them by the skillfulness of his hands. So now you have a guide. Number three, benefit. You have constant peace. You'll have a constant peace. I'm telling you, it's amazing when you live in integrity, how the peace of God will come on you. You know, I've never, ever talked to anybody in my life that came to me and says, you know, Pastor David, I've got a real problem. I can't go to sleep at night. Why? Well, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm worried about the things that I'm doing right. It's been opposite of that. I can't go to sleep at night. I'm worried because I think someone will find out about me. I think I'm going to be uncovered. They're going to know the ways I've been living my life. My secret life is going to be exposed. Integrity brings you peace. I'm telling you, man, when I, when I lay my head down at night, I don't have to worry about it. Why? Because I'm walking in integrity. Because God's doing a work in my heart. I'm living that life of integrity. Number four, you'll be protected from sin. Fourth benefit, you'll be protected from sin. Remember the story of Abraham and Sarah? 
And, and when they go off to the foreign land and, and they both lie about being married, you remember that? To protect themselves, you remember that? And they go to this king, Abimelech, and, and uh, we'll pick the story up in Genesis 20, verse 1. And Abraham journeyed from there to the south and dwelt between Kadesh and Shur and stayed in Gerar. Now Abraham said of Sarah, his, Sarah, his wife, she is my sister. And Abimelech, the king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, now listen to this, God comes to the king at night and tells him this, indeed you are a dead man because of the woman whom you have taken, for she is a man's wife. But Abimelech had not come near her and he said, Lord, will you slay a righteous nation also? Says, hey, wait a second, hold on. They told me, they lied about this. I didn't take her knowing that she was a wife. Watch what he says. Lord, will you slay a righteous nation also? Did he not say to me, he's talking about Abraham, she is my sister. And she, even she herself said, he is my brother. Now listen to what he says. In the integrity of my heart and innocence of my hands, I have done this. God said to him in a dream, yes, I know that you did this in the integrity of your heart. For I also withheld you from sinning against me. See, you may even make a mistake, but you know what? If you did it with integrity of your heart, God's going to protect you from sin. Isn't that an awesome story? All right, so when you live in integrity, you're protected from sin. And the fifth benefit is you will gain trust, respect, honor, and influence. Trust, respect, honor, and influence. If you want to have trust, respect, honor, and influence as a parent, you need to live in integrity. Uh, As a husband or a wife, or as a leader, as a boss, as an employer, as a pastor, Trust and respect and honor and influence will happen in your life. That's a huge benefit for living in integrity. And then there's five keys I want to just go over real quick. Five keys in walking in integrity. Get to know Christ. Get to know Jesus. Get to know Jesus. Because not not only can you not live in integrity, you won't be able to walk in integrity until you come to know Christ. If you've never given your life to Christ, I encourage you to do that today. And let God take you into a person of integrity. And if you do know Christ already and yet you're stumbling in this area, the closer you get to Jesus, the more you want to become like him, right? And he was a man of integrity. So get to know him, number one. Number two, repent. I mean, if you have an issue in these areas, repent. Let God give you grace over that and forgiveness over that. And if you've wronged other people, go to them and make it right. Don't live with integrity. If you've lied or cheated or, or been unfaithful, make, make right that thing with the person that you've offended. Number three, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Get God's power to come in your life and help you overcome these areas of your life. You cannot live this life without having the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. So uh, if you've never had an experience with the Holy Spirit, baptism, filling of the Holy Spirit, I encourage you to do that. Do that today. Don't, don't go in your life trying to suck up your guts and doing the best you can and live this life on your own. You can't do it. Get filled with the power of God. Number four, get free. Get set free. If you have bondages in your life, then take care of those. God does not want us to live with a bunch of chains around us. He wants to set us free. Go through Kairos, go through freedom ministry, go through whatever you have to, to get set free. All right. Be free, be free. And then the fifth thing, be accountable, be accountable. I am so grateful that I have people around me that hold me to the carpet about some of these things. Say, Dave, you didn't talk well to that person. You didn't treat them fairly or you didn't do this. Especially my wife. Somebody said, no, seriously, someone says, you know, behind every great man is a great woman. 
That may be true, but let me tell you the real truth. Behind every great man is a woman rolling her eyes and shaking her head, all right? That's the truth. All right? My wife does that a lot with me. She holds me true to being that man that I've prayed my one prayer with. Make me a man of integrity. Those five things. Uh, I was on, on my desk in my office, have some things on it that remind me of this a little bit. Here's a, here's a rock that someone gave me just, and all it says on it is trust. And here's what they said to me, one of my staff members. Thank you that we can trust you as a leader. Thank you that you're a man of God. That what you say is what you do. That your behavior matches your beliefs. And then probably the more important thing to me is, and this is a result, I think. You know, I'm 60 years old, folks. You know, uh, I want to leave behind some legacies. I don't want to just suck in air and take up space on this planet. I want to leave behind some legacies. So this is a, a picture frame that's on my desk for my kids. And here's what it says. This is my five children. It says, Dad, you set an example I'll follow for life. You taught me to do what's right, to try my best, to show respect. Your words ring true in my head and my heart. Thanks for being my teacher and my best friend. I love you, Dad. That's the result of integrity. It's the result of what God wants to provide for us when we walk in integrity. I'm telling you, church, this is a call to all of us as believers because the world is watching. They really are. And you know what my prayer is for us as I close? The Gateway Church, we will not be known for how big we are and how many campuses we have and how much money is given. We will be known as that is a church of people with integrity. That is my prayer. And it's my prayer for all of us. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes, please? Every head bowed and every eye closed. You may be here today and you've never given your heart to Christ. And you say, man, I, I, I know I can't walk in integrity because I don't even know how to do it. Well, here's how you do it. You give your heart to Christ first. Some of you today may say, I need to be filled with this power. I need to get free. I need, I need God to do a work in my heart so that I can be the man or woman God's called me to be so that my behavior can match my beliefs. It's a work of the Spirit that God can do only in, his li in our lives. My challenge to us is let God do that work beginning the day. Let Him stir that up in you. If there's anything in your life that points towards hypocrisy or not being who you say you are, let God deal with that today in your own heart. Here in a minute, I'm going to have some altar ministry teams come forward and they're going to pray. Pray for you, in fact. If you have any prayer needs, it may have something to do with what I just preached on. It may have other things. It doesn't matter what it is. You don't have to be a member of our church and you sure don't have to be embarrassed by this because all of us need prayer all the time. I'm going to encourage you to step forward and let God minister to those needs in your life, right? So I want to pray as soon as we stand up, altar ministry teams come forward. Both campuses, all three campuses, Harkins, NRH, even overflow and here. Respond to what God wants you to respond to. Heavenly Father, thank you for this word. God, I pray that everyone will come that you speak to. Holy Spirit, bring those that need to come now. In Jesus' name, amen.